Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network continuing Horror Christmas Month, or is it Violent Christmas Month this week? Because we are back to cover a very new movie. This movie isn't even really a year old, or maybe just on a year old. Violent Night from 2022, starring David Sidney Harbour, the wife from the National Lampoon movies, the guy who played Victor Clemente in ER for 12 episodes, and other people in what is essentially Die Hard with Santa. Uh, to me, this is the way the creators of this movie have gone, hey, Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie or not? Well, let's make it official. It is, because it's got Santa in it this time. Uh, and let's be honest, this movie's amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> such a good movie. And we've got an hour to try and cover its awesomeness. And I've also got like a short section right now to try and lump in so many good quotes but I'm going to start up with, my name is Ben, and I like my podcast how I like to fuck hard and fast and with minimal cleanup. Ooh. This is going to go well. I knew you were going to pick that one, too. Um, and my name is Colin, and kiss me in front of my son. <laughs> you want to choose that one. Um, I mean, I don't want to give away my closing line, but I was nearly going to go, sorry, can I say butthole then? Um, <laughs> but... You, I, you told me about this movie last year, and, and usually yeah. I take your recommendations. I do. Um, but I felt like, I don't know, you said it was good, but I don't feel you were, like, glowing with it. I remember when you sent me the trailer, and you're like, oh, this looks awesome. But then I think you said you saw it, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, it was fine. This, this to me, is the cocaine bear of Christmas movies. <laughs> like, you literally look at the title, Violent Night, and you get what you pay for. And yeah. I think the difference between this, I mean, I enjoyed Cocaine Bear, I just went into Cocaine Bear not expecting to see Ray Liotta's intestines hanging out of him at the end of the movie, which, fair enough. But this was, like, that but better. And they kind of, like, I feel Cocaine Bear, why am I comparing it so much to Cocaine Bear? But, like, like that just straight away was like, oh, guts, gore, blood, and like, oh! Whereas these are kind of built up to it. And then, like, all of a sudden you've got freaking Vincent Clemente from ER's, like, torso coming out of a chimney, like, spread everywhere. And you've got all these, like, heads going off and, like, it was hilarious. This, to me, almost is a bit Santa slayish. As much as Jack Frost was enjoyable yeah. a couple of weeks ago, this, to me, is this year's Santa slay because it's just fun. It's just, mm-hmm. it's silly. It's like, as I was trying to explain to Casey during the week, it's like she loves a dumb romantic Hallmark movie, right? And, like, it's got their mm-hmm. audience. It's not for everyone, but sometimes you just need to put it on. It's McDonald's. You just need it sometimes, have it. You know what you're going to get, but it's fun. This is that it. You just put it on. I'm going to watch Santa for two hours, kill mercenaries, a lot of F-bombs, a lot of dumb humour. Um, it's not going to win Oscars, but it's amazing. I love it. I love this movie, Colin. Number one for the month. 
So for the record, I absolutely love this movie when I saw it last year. It, but uh, I, I think what my reaction was is it, it was it was very different from what I expected the movie to be. I think I expected from the trailers that this would have been something closer to Santa Slays or um, another movie that Rocky and I covered. I, I think last year, um, the one with uh, what's Hugo Weaving's niece's name? Uh, Samara Weaving. Weaving. Mm. Yeah, Ready or Not, which uh, is very similar to this bunch of rich people in a house, but uh, it, it goes very over the top and very much a satire. And when I saw this movie, the thing that, that caught me the most off guard is that this is going to sound weird to anybody who hasn't seen this, or maybe some people who have heard it. This movie has a lot of heart. <laughs> there are parts where you're like, wow, this is kind of touching, you know? And what this hits the nail on the head for is the same thing that Die Hard has and the same thing that Home Alone has. And this movie obviously has, you know, uh, tributes to both of those movies. And that's that it, it just, it's kind of a nice Christmas. If you strip away all the violence, all the absurdity, it is still kind of a nice Christmas movie about mm. this Santa who regains his 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 love for children. Not that way, but a uh, uh, child who believes in Santa and all these people at the end saying, I believe, I believe too. Um, there's so much good stuff in this movie and it, it's in no way what you expect, even as far as the action goes, like it, it phases into the most over the top violent action stuff, the cartoony stuff, the stuff that is very gory up until a certain point in this movie. This is just like Die Hard. It is like, it just happens to be Santa as opposed to John McClane. And he happens to be in a house as opposed to, you know, an office building or, or an airport terminal. Um, and, and David Harbour, I mean, who would have thought, of all the people, non-Daniel Craig, in all of the James Bond movies, <laughs> that this guy would come out to not only be one of the biggest stars in TV of this generation, but now huge movie star and maybe the greatest Santa Claus of this generation. I'm really getting on board with him in terms of one of my favorite actors. Yes. I think it, it goes back to, I mean, I'm not a big Quantum fan, but you know, I do like his character in it. But I think one of the very few positive things I remember from this phase of the MCU and Black Widow was him in Black Widow. Like I enjoyed him in Black Widow and then he was obviously mm -hmm. in Gran Turismo this year, a bit more of a serious role in that. But like just some of the stuff I constantly see him in, he's just, he's just really good. And all yeah. the, the reviews I see of this film are basically praising him. And I, I'm going to butcher his last name, so I apologize. But is it, is it John Leguizamo? Leguizamo. Leguizamo. Now, the whole time I see this, I'm like, he's, I'm like, I know he was a doctor in ER. I'm pretty sure, like, I know he was a doctor in ER. Well, that's who you're referring to. Yeah. Okay. So if you go back to like five or season five, six, like one of the sort of the mid early seasons, he played Doctor Victor Clemente, who was he was one of these ones that kind of. I think they were touting as like a big new addition to the show and then he didn't last as long. Actually, it was in a lot later. I think he might have, according to this, he might have actually been in it like maybe season 10, 11 or so. But um, yeah, he kind of only lasted about 12 episodes. But still memorable enough that every time I see him in something, I'm like, hey, he was in here. But he was also obviously Luigi in the Super Mario Brothers movie, which yeah. I had And now the seen. John Wick movies too. Oh, okay. Well, I've, I mean, still never seen this. So it's been a long time since I've seen the Super Mario Brothers movie. But as a kid, I used to love it. He was in Die Hard too, apparently. So there you go. Yeah, I saw that too. Which uh, they're 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 casting him for that reason, maybe. I don't know. I mean, also the, one of the producers of this movie, David Leach, uh, was uh, he produced all the John Wick movies, but he actually co-directed the first one as well. And you can see a lot of John Wick influence. Like you having not seen it, you wouldn't get it. But a lot of the action there's very John Wick influence. Obviously, John Leguizamo, you know, in there as well. Uh, there, there is a third movie. I don't want to interrupt too much, but I know we only got so much time. We were going to be talking a lot about this movie. Uh, so obviously Die Hard, it's very obvious this movie is, is it, it may be the best Die Hard on a something. Like there's that mm. whole Hollywood joke. It wasn't even a joke. It was a real thing where yeah. they, 
the studios would just pitch Die Hard on an airplane, Die Hard in a uh, bus, and then somebody decided to pitch Die Hard in an office building, not realizing that's what Die Hard was. But this is like maybe the best Die Hard Anna outside of Speed. Uh, but uh, Home Alone, we've got you know the booby trap sequence. They even mentioned Home Alone this. But the other one, which is a movie I completely forgot about until I started, something jogged in my memory as I was watching this. And it's a movie with Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. Uh, and, and Kevin Spacey uh, from 1994 out. called The Ref, which the plot of The Ref, it takes place in Connecticut, just like this, on Christmas Eve, where... A rich family basically has a home invasion and Dennis Leary kidnaps a bunch of them. So this movie has basically taken three very unconventional horror or not horror movies, very unconventional uh, Christmas movies, put a little bit more of a horror spin on it, a little bit more graphic, uh, a little bit more satire. And you basically combine the ref, the Die Hard and Home Alone and you put David Harbour in a Santa Claus suit and you got a movie. I think we stretch the the term horror movie month uh, this because obviously I feel I think all of our movies are a bit of a stretch this month. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean we did replace Krampus I think with this, and there's a character called Krampus in this, so yeah. uh, you know go out there and I guess Gremlins. I mean, is that really a horror movie? But um, yeah, it's eh. kids horror. <laughs> but um, you know, but yeah, I just I think that the one thing that I'll say about this film is I think that. I'm getting jumping ahead here, probably more for the review section, but this is a movie that in 10, 20 years' time is going to get better with age. This is going to be mm-hmm. a cult movie that in the future everybody... I'm, I'm not saying people don't love this film at the moment. This wasn't like this was a, a bomb and everyone hated it. It got decent reviews and everything. But it's it's something that, like, I was trying to... I was at a soccer game last night with a work colleague and I was trying to explain to him, like, go watch this film and next time I talk to my dad, I'm going to... My, my dad would love this film. Yeah. So I'm just going to be like, like, this is a film you've got to watch. So I feel that in 10, 20 years' time this will join the list of Christmas movies you need to watch. And for people yeah. with sick minds like you and I, uh, <laughs> this is up there. If you're a diehard fan or a Santa sleigh fan, you're going to watch a movie like this at Christmas rather than The Santa Claus or <laughs> Miracle on 43rd Street or any of those sort of well, films. Well, and we were talking uh, a couple of years ago when we did Elf. It's like there really hasn't been a Christmas classic that's going to stand the test of time that 20 years from now, will be on TV every single Christmas. And it's going to be one of the uh, mixing the shuffle with like a Christmas story, and Christmas vacation, and home alone on people's, you know, Christmas watch list. I honestly believe this movie is it. I believe even last year, the, the reception to this was positive enough. Um, a movie like this shouldn't have made, it, it's not like it was a hundred million dollar movie. I mean, still pandemic uh, affected everything last year, but the, the fact that this movie made as much money as it did. And that a year later, people are still, watching it they're still talking about him i think this will be that next movie that will become the christmas classic i'll say miracle on 34th street not 43rd street by the way i got my numbers uh 40 that was a little bit i'm dyslexic past the wrong side of the tracks that was going going the upper upper that was the violent night version of Um, (laughs) miracle on 34th street i I agree with you but i think i i don't think you've seen it yet um well obviously we're planning to do it next year but i feel spirited is another movie that will join that list uh potentially in the next 10 to 20 years because that's just a bit of harmless fun um, so that's another one that uh, came out the same year, funnily enough. Again, we've got uh, about 50 minutes to get through this, but I just want to say one thing as well right now because I'll forget about it, and this don't want it to come across the way that you're going to say it will. The child in this movie is a little girl. She's great. This is the first time I've watched a movie yeah. in a while where the child <laughs> is great. Like, this isn't going to be doo-doo in No Time to Die or uh, Jurassic World Kids or anything like that. Like, uh, this girl in this movie is fantastic. Uh, and can I say to say, Beverly D'Angelo... I want her to be more like this. Like, I don't want her to be, uh, what's it, Helen Griswold? Is that a character? Ellen. Ellen. Oh, I was close. Closer than 34th. 
Um, but <laughs> first thing to be like, oh, fuck you, Clark. Like when he's like staring at the hot woman in the Ferrari, stop your fucking looking at her. <laughs> like, <laughs> so good. I'm surprised none of us opened up with the opening line about 9-11. Seems as we always run in the 9-11. If I was on those planes, I'd be skydiving over Connecticut. <laughs> uh, uh, but famous last words, though, I feel like this week can easily uh, cap this anyway. So we start off in merry old England. And we've got David Harbour, Santa, sitting at a bar and he's talking about his night and he's talking about how children suck. Funnily enough, I felt I had the same conversation with Colin before this episode started. Um, <laughs> I just got a weird sense of deja vu. <laughs> Kids always wanting stuff and losing their spirit and everything. Um, he gives this bar lady a present. It's like, oh, how did you know me grandchild's name? And then fly back. The thing with this movie, there's so many things that, like, it is... It's kind of like, it's like cocaine bear, snakes on a plane. It is one of these ones where you kind of know everything that's going to happen, right? I could I could mm. easily mentally go, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, or oh, this will be the twist. So this scene here when he's like going up to the sleigh and she's all like, oh, but Santa, you can't go on the roof. I'm straight away going, something's going to happen here. Like something's going to fall mm. out of the thing. Like he's going to fall down drunk or vomit. And then lo and behold, he vomits all over her. But like, again, sometimes you need harmless fun that you know is obvious and everything like that. Like, mm-hmm. I think we've talked a lot about movies these days go too serious, too, like, twisty, too, whatever. And yet then you've got the Marvel side of things where it's just cookie-cutter, paint-by-numbers. Um, so I feel like a hypocrite. I can play that Marvel is very paint-by-numbers, but it's different. Like, this is a different movie to a Marvel movie. Um, Marvel should just go full out like this. Just impale yeah. people, rip heads <laughs> off, uh, vomit on people. Like, I'm sure they will with Deadpool next year. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, they've got all this pent up frustration. <laughs> like I saw in DC movies that they've got, you know, <laughs> this is what they're doing now. Um, so we meet our uh, main character, Jason, I believe. Uh, now, this is Alex Hassel. He looks familiar, but I'm looking at his filmography I and I don't think I know. He's good, though. I like him. Yeah. He seems to be a theater actor, I- if I'm not mistaken, or am I reading that differently? No, I mean, he doesn't have a lot on his filmography. Like, he's got some some TV, a couple of movies. But, yeah, I guess theater mostly. But I had the same reaction. Like, I I spent, I don't know how long in this movie, just wanting to hate him. He, he just he looks like one of those guys who are like, oh, I don't like this guy. And then the more it gets in the movie, I'm like, man, this guy's really good. He founded a theater company uh, which has patrons, including Ewan McGregor, Bill Nye, Mark Rillians, and Emma Thompson. Um, he was in The Boys. Maybe I've seen, like... Uh, like trailers and that for the boys and maybe he's prom because he does he's just one of these people you look at you go, I know that guy but then I yeah. literally look at his filmography and I'm like I have no idea who this guy is <laughs> so have you ever watched the boys I, yeah I watched like the first four or five episodes and I got sidetracked and just never got back to it but sister, I liked what I saw my sister's really into that show um he was in a tv show called the bisexual um okay oh, cowboy bebop um there you go google what a bisexual is colin you'll be surprised um so uh we meet jason and we meet his wife and his kid and they're going off to uh spend the weekend or christmas eve or wherever whatever time of year this is i guess it's christmas it's a christmas movie um with their family we find out they're kind of estranged and then a little girl trudy here she's watched home alone i watched home alone last night it was great and it's like, oh, I wonder if that's going to come back. We meet the, uh, the, I guess, the guard, the poor guy at the little box. He's going to get shot in the head very, very shortly. Um, we meet sort of this catering company who 
they don't look at all sinister when they're just walking around <laughs> looking all evil and pressing buttons. And then we meet <laughs> maybe my favorite characters of this whole movie are the the sister, the boyfriend, and the son because I love it. Like so, he's putting the present under the tree, Jason, and then he's sort of like. Um, Dear old Trudy goes off and runs away, and then he's like talking to his ex-wife, and she's like, "Oh, update me on what's going on with the family." So, like, "Oh, that's my nephew. Um, what's his name? Like Bertrude or something like Bertrude, that." Bertrude, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's all like one of these real like you know influencers, like hashtag bless, yo 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 fam, I'm here at the thing. Like people who like literally all of us want to shoot. Anybody above the age of yeah. thirty wants to shoot. <laughs> uh, I went to the Australian Podcast Awards the other night, not for us, but uh, anyway. Uh, didn't win. Thanks for asking. But um, the, 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 room I was, the room was filled. I, I'm officially now Australian podcast nominee, Australian podcast award loser, two time Ben Waterworth. <laughs> You're welcome. But like people there, they're all just like influencers and they're all doing their thing. And I'm like, oh my God, do we just need to catch up? Is that why we have no listeners? But anyway, uh, I don't even Robert's listens to our show. That's all that matters to me. Uh, but we've yeah. got the, uh, this guy that's all like hashtag bless. And I love the explanation. Oh, yeah, that's Bert. Uh, he got the first of what I believe will be many sexual harassment uh, allegations labelled against him this week. It's like, okay. And then, like, he's... Well, the, 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 the gymnasium's now named after our family. Yeah, because we paid it <laughs> off. Uh, and then, like, I love, like, the sister. And I love this, like, boy. The boyfriend's my favourite character in this movie. This, like, <laughs> yeah. actor guy who basically is all, like, talking about, like... They cut to him and he's just like, oh, yeah. So if 9-11 happened, uh, it wouldn't have happened on my watch because the terrorists would have been parachuting over Connecticut and I would have been landing the plane <laughs> with my kung fu. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, and I just love the fact that, like, these families just, like, hates each other and they're trying to, like, arrange who's, like, standing closest to the door when people arrive because they're all, like, sucking up to their mother. So essentially... They're in this like really wealthy family. They obviously hate their mother. They're hearing that she might die soon. So they're obviously waiting to see who will be the heir. We eventually meet the mother. It's Beverly D'Angelo. Holiday Road. <laughs> um, and she just comes in swearing like a sailor to obviously, a, was he a senator? I think. It's like, oh, go. <laughs> no, that's creep punchline. Yeah. It's like, oh, go fuck yourself. No, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. Lover. All right. Have a great Christmas, Senator. <laughs> <laughs> But I just, and I love the fact that they're like arguing because um, Jason's all like, no, I'm going to sit here. And it's like, you're up to something. What are you going to do? Well, we're going to stand near the tree. And she walks in. And she's straight away like, why are none of you standing up here near the door? <laughs> <laughs> and they're all just like sucking up to her. And she's great. I love it. Like, she's had a bit of work done. Oh, Beverly. Um, you can tell, but good for her. She still looks good. Um, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything outside of a National Lampoon's movie. Is she known for anything else outside of a National Lampoon's movie? I'm she what had a couple of kids with Al Pacino. I think that's Did what she? she's more famous for. The yeah, a dunk but, Chino. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she dunked his Chino. <laughs> I mean, outside, I don't know if I've seen her in any of that, but maybe like one or two movies that my mom watched once upon a time. But uh, no. Christmas movies, perhaps. <laughs> um, meanwhile, we see Santa just kind of like a little clip of him walking around, like complaining about like all the toys. Like, this is just to me, Tim Allen. In like you know, if we never had the Santa yeah. Claus's TV show, this is him nowadays. I like, know. Fuck, I'm so over I, this. I, not to interrupt, but like I, I was thinking the same thing while I was watching it this time. Not, not I, I don't know if I well, I had watched the Santa Clauses when I saw it last year, but to me, this is almost the same plot of the Santa Clauses season one. You know, kids losing Christmas spirit and Santa being disillusioned. It's just, it's just done so much better. How do you think they would have gone? Imagine if they'd not done the Santa. I don't think Tim Allen would ever do this because Tim Allen's kind of more, much more of a family man. 
But imagine if, like, the genius casting of this, they cast oh. Tim Allen instead of David Harbour. Like, yeah, imagine that, that, that. would have been amazing. Because you, you know how, like, they've got that Winnie the Pooh horror film now? Like, yeah. like go a bit darker. Like, they always do sequels and all this kind of stuff. But imagine just doing it, like, where they completely ruin the original by having Tim Allen. <laughs> but, like, one thing we should say, though, like, going back to, like, your point about how kind of it's, like, diehard, the one thing, a uh, big difference is, like, John McClane's not a wimp. John McClane's, you know, a, a, a cop and he, he's straight away onto it. Whereas this one, David Harbour's a bit of a wimp. Um, and then he just kind of yeah. obviously fights back and we learn his roots and everything like that. So kind of could work with Tim Allen, you know. It's mm-hmm. sort of a bit of a family wimp man and then it makes sense that he's protecting like, you know, oh, you remind me of Charlie and stuff like that. So <laughs> there you go. I was going to say Judge Reinhold's in this movie, but that's next week. So That's um, next week. Which does that man ever play anybody different? Um, <laughs> does he ever look any different? Oh, what a man. Um, so he's off uh, flying around getting drunk, old Santa. Poor old Trudy. Um, uh, Jason hasn't gone to go visit Santa, so he goes and makes a little toy with a, a walkie-talkie, which uh, straight away I'm like, oh, this isn't going to come in handy later on in the film. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's clever. It's cute. Like old Jason here going on like, oh, like you can direct line to Santa. Uh, we hear that she wants mummy and daddy back together. It's very liar, liarish because uh, that wish mm-hmm. is going to come back at the end of the movie. Um, what's the wife's name here? I feel bad I keep calling her the wife. Uh, Linda? Uh, uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> is she, is she, yes. she's Linda? Oh, or is it Alva? Uh, is she Alva? There's, there's two, Alva and Linda. One is the sister, one is the wife. Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> we're I, so I am, good I am looking at it up right acting now. skills uh, right now. The sister. Yeah, so it is Linda. Yeah, the sister Alva is, is Alva. Sister. Yes, exactly. Well, she looked like somebody else, but it's not. So Linda, hello, Linda. I like Linda. She seems nice. Um... <laughs> She's all like, no, we don't want to get back together. Um, I was nearly going to fucking sing a Taylor Swift song there, Ben. Ugh, wash your mouth out. Um, What's wrong with you? I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, <laughs> Santa, meanwhile, arrives at the compound. He's going on about, like, skim milk, good cookies. He fills his uh, his pockets up, and he's uh, going on about all the quality uh, alcohol. But this is when the hostage situation starts, so the mercenaries come in. They start killing all the... Uh, actual workers there. The desk guy gets killed by Dr. Vint- Vincent Clemente. I'm just going to keep calling that. Um, they're going to take everybody hostage. And as we're going to find out, there's $300 million in the vault, essentially. So this family like helps funnel money from the US government from like the Middle East for, you know, shady purposes. It's kind of one of these ones where it's like they're loosely going to make them evil. And then all like the evil people have to like have like sort of heartwarming stories. But I think there's there's a lot of there's, there's one big plot hole in this film which really annoys me which I don't know if it's done deliberately I'm guessing it's done deliberately it's the whole when she gets the note and you never know what's in the card I'm guessing that's oh. a deliberate thing like well I I think you you do know what it is because later on well because he says later on when you find out that he was when he sold the money he said I was gonna leave first thing in the morning and my mom was just gonna read about it in the card what I did oh okay so maybe he says in the card I've stolen I'm the money. stealing your money yeah. So that's why she accepts it. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I uh, didn't. Uh, I'm not just not smart enough for. You know. <laughs> well done, Violet Knight. You outsmarted Ben Mortworth. Um, <laughs> but they're <laughs> not the first and only movie that's ever done that. Um, so Santa, meanwhile, is also for the first time he kind of like fights back against one guy because he. This is again when you see Santa's a bit cowardly because he hears the shooting and everything and he's trying to run away. The reindeer run away. 
Uh, but he kills his first person. I, I like this first guard who's just like punching him and then he ends up impaling him on an ice pick. Um, and then poor old Sam is just like shitting himself. Um, but he starts eating these cookies. Um, we find out there's some mercenaries coming along as well because Beverly D'Angelo is basically like, Holiday Road, there's mercenaries <laughs> coming to save us. Um, so they're coming along. Uh, Trudy, meanwhile, on a walkie-talkie, she actually gets through to Santa, um, which is always good. What's the, There's a line here that I wrote down. Uh, is it when they're trying to suck up to Beverly D'Angelo and it's like, don't shit in my mouth and tell me it's chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> There's some great one liners. What's the other one when like the when um uh Bertrude is like doing something and then she's like, I told you when he was younger you should have beat him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I laughed out loud at that line so much. That was hilarious. It's such great uh, lines in this one. Um Santa gets into a fight with another one of the guards, and maybe the best best death scene in this entire movie is when he stabs a guy in the eye with a Christmas star. He gets up and he's still walking like brains, to which it's still plugged into Santa, turns it on at the PowerPoint and basically... Which we needed a Daniel Craig that positively blew his mind or something like that line. Um, Which it's... I mean, he sort of caught fire, Colin. He's like his eye socket was on fire. So, Close. you know, and this is when he's talking to Trudy for the first time. We see that he's got like a naughty or nice list. So he can pull open the naughty list and he can see that he's got like four more guards to kill or something there for the night. Um, so that's kind of set it up. And this is the first time when the mercenaries kind of see the vault. They discover that Santa's there. I think this is when they talk to him for the first time. Um, I do like the bit when the, the guards like at the vault and like, oh, we've got to hack it with the computer now. Like I miss the good old days where you just had like a... <laughs> You know, you heard for a click and a drill or something like that. There was something classic about it and romantic. Um, and oh, and this is also then we get a nutcracker scene, which as soon as they started talking about the nutcracker, I'm like, oh, they're going to put somebody's balls in that, aren't they? <laughs> uh, but they chop his finger off. But I, I love like, the thing I love about these families is the fact that they're all just so quickly to blow like, yeah, put Uncle Jason in there. He's terrible. <laughs> Kill him. Like, he's shit. Uh, <laughs> like, it's just so funny. And again, it's a cast with good chemistry. So they kind of all bounce off yeah. each other very well. Uh, and this is when Trudy jumps up and is like, don't kill my daddy. Santa's here to save the day. I know Santa and you're going to get fucked up. Um, and maybe I'll just cap it uh, just here before Santa passes out drunk because he's about to sew himself up and we're going to see his first flashback to like Viking days. Uh, yeah, I I had mentioned last week, like this movie filmed here, uh, like it's a one oh. scene filmed here in Winnipeg. Which one? Uh, or a couple scenes. Well, a couple scenes. The the uh the hotel he's at that's a hotel it's probably the oldest hotel in Winnipeg called the Fort Gary Hotel downtown. Nice. Uh, that's the roof that he goes off of uh, as well. The uh where they pick up the the kid at the beginning or where the dad gets in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were there, Ben. So if you were to turn the camera just slightly, you would see the legislative building here ah. in Winnipeg. That's where they actually pick him up, uh, which I recognize because I lived right by there you, for you, who knows how long. So, so you're saying, Colin Hilding, that the makers of Violent Night watched The Brink Unleashed 6 <laughs> or The Brink yeah. Unleashed uh, uh, 8 and were like, hey, that would be a good filming location. Let's go. There. Thank you, creators of Violent Night. Just, just wait till Violent Night Part 2 takes place at a build-your-own-pizza place to- and to- has Tommy, guys missing field goals. Tommy Wicola <laughs> and Pat Casey and Josh Miller, you are most welcome. Yay. Which, good job. So also mentioned Tommy Wakola. I mean, I haven't seen every movie he's made, but uh, he made that uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters movie oh, yeah. years ago, um, which which is very much like this. Like 
it's it you you think they're gonna play it a lot more absurd than they do it actually plays it quite straight for all things considered hang, hang on interrupt you next year can Go we for it. can we cover his next film it is an, a Norwegian adult computer animated musical comedy <laughs> film called Spermageddon. Oh! Just looked at the name. It is literally, uh, hang on, uh, where's, I just saw this. The film consists of two plot lines, one focusing on a teenage couple having sex for the first time and the other on Simon the Seaman and his friends <laughs> in a quest for the egg. Oh, Spermageddon, Spermageddon, Spermageddon. Can we? I love that it basically says it's like Sausage Party meets Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, South Park and Checkered Ninja saying it targets elder kids and adults. I mean, seriously, you sold me at a Norwegian adult computer animated musical comedy film. I wore that on a T-shirt. Norwegian adult computer animated musical comedy. Norway's taking over the world as we talk about on Off the Podium. Download now. Uh, why not the movie industry? Come on. That's, that's a new Academy Award category too. <laughs> Norwegian adult animated film category. And it was apparently being sold at the 2022 Cannes Film Festival. All right. <laughs> well, we're definitely covering it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the movie actually filmed just outside of Winnipeg or just north of Winnipeg, that the house and LaSalle? everything. Uh, not LaSalle, that's south of Winnipeg, sadly. <laughs> this is the really rich area, the north part. Uh, but uh, <laughs> That's a poor area uh, yeah, LaSalle. I, <laughs> I, I wanted to go find the, um, the house, but it's not identified what house it is, although apparently this house was used in another movie. So I think somewhere there's got to be like where this house is. I mean, it's probably not close enough. A couple months ago when I looked up, somebody said, oh, th this house, it's not even close enough where you could see it from the street. So it is like very much like in this movie. It's sort of out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, I remember um, after the movie wrapped here, uh, they they had like this big auction thing where they were auctioning off all the props from the movie, which is hmm. mostly stuff from – I thought at the time this movie about Santa fighting people, I'd be seeing like machine guns, knives, and stuff like that. And most of the props are like all the little things, like the nutcrackers around the house and like the sofa that they're sitting on uh, the entire movie. I remember seeing those on an auction site and some of it was fairly cheap at the time. It was like 300 bucks for the sofa. Mm. And I thought, cheap man, sofa. I could get some, if, if this movie makes it big, I could have, you know, movie memorabilia, but I'm like, well, what are the chances this movie is going to make it big? Now what? Two years later, I'm kicking myself. Cause I could have had the nutcracker that takes the guy's finger off or the <laughs> couch that Bertrude sits on. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 this of the movies recently that have filmed here, I think this is the one that uh, has the biggest audience, but it's the one you see the least of Winnipeg in, at least. Um, but uh, there, there's so much good stuff here, <laughs> like, even at the beginning uh, with, with that other Santa. It's the fact that David Harbour plays this straight. Mm. When we did the Muppets Christmas Carol, we were talking about how Michael Caine had said he not once on set did he play this like I'm playing acting opposite Muppets. He said, I'm playing this like I'm playing Scrooge. Like I was doing this on stage with other respected actors. And I almost feel like that's the way David Harbour's doing. Like there are jokes in this movie. My camera's Jesus. losing it. Michael Caine uh, didn't like you mentioning his name. No. <laughs> Michael Caine's like, oh, Colin, I told you never to mention my name on a podcast again. I'm retired, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, only Christopher Nolan's allowed to mention his name now. But um, there we go. I'm back. Hey. Yay. Sorry, Michael. But... <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyways, so uh, David Harbour, th there's jokes in here, but like even the way he delivers the jokes aren't like your obvious way of delivering one-liners and everything. Even the way he throws up, it's like another actor would have done that so much more comically and here it just feels so much more real and almost sad when you watch him. Um, the whole introduction of the family is great. Like when, when he's saying, oh, Bertrude's going to have had his first of many lawsuits or whatever. Even the sister, when she comes up and she says to her, like her sister-in-law, like the, the, the wife, Linda, it's like, you gain weight. 
looks good on you. Yeah. <laughs> this is back at a compliment. Love, but that's what I love, Linus, because he's just like, thanks. Like, yeah. he's really and then, good in And that. then when Jason comes up, her brother, she goes, sup, limp dick. Yeah. <laughs> that's all she says to him. <laughs> that was going to be one of my other opening lines. Yeah. And then when Jason's giving the, the go around the room and everything, and he's uh, talking about his brother-in-law or whatever, it's like, uh, he's actually a decent actor. He's giving an Oscar-worthy performance, uh, pretending to be uh, appeal, uh, find my sister appealing. She likes to pretend. This, this sister is just like, kiss me in front of my son, like <laughs> awkward and disgusting. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, I think, one of the other things that sets the movie apart is you could have just made this the Daybird Harbor show. And I mean, I'm... I'm I'm not you giving anything away here. I mean, I'll say it right now. I love Gremlins, but on a rewatch, the thing Gremlins suffers for is you have all these great side characters that you do absolutely nothing with in the second half of the movie, which is something that I think Gremlins 2 does a lot better. I'm glad you on. pointed that out because I have many questions about what happens to the majority <laughs> of people in that movie. They're all dead. That's <laughs> they all Daniel Craig in Tomb Raider. They just disappear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, all these characters get so much personality. And again, like really go out of your way to watch ready or not with Samara weaving. It is oh. so good. It's very similar to this. It's, it's a little bit more sci-fi. Uh, it's funny because like this one is almost like I even said last week, this is almost more, you know, violent action as opposed to horror. But yet I would say this movie, it has more cringe moments and more moments that are like, Oh, than even something like ready or not, which is an actual horror movie. Um, there's, there's a yeah, few moments they, in this movie. Yeah. Like when we get to the, uh, the home alone scene, that, that's when yeah. I, even I was like, Oh, like, you know, I know and there, there's very few things that make me like turn away or want to turn away. But if this movie's got a couple of them, yeah. Uh, but again, they're, they're slow to phase into that, which is kind of smart. Mm. Um, uh, Oh, another, another great thing is when Beverly D'Angelo comes in and, uh, they're, they're, uh, talking about how everybody's a suck up or whatever. It's like, Jason, you're the biggest suck up. You named your daughter Gertrude. Yeah. It's like, you named your son Bertrude. That's not even a name, you know. And then when she's like, well, we can't all have been lucky enough to have a girl. And Bertrude's like, mom, I can hear you. <laughs> I just really like the boys. Like, uh, the, the boy as well. Like, the actor who plays him, he's really good as well. Uh, and, like he's a, he's a Canadian actor. I guess a lot of the, the like cast Bieber. is Canadian. But, uh, uh, well, he, he is on the, um, the, the TV show, The Hardy. You've heard, have you heard of The Hardy Boys? Is that a thing outside of North America? I've heard of it. Could I tell you what it is? I don't know it's, what it is. But yeah. It's like the longest running, you know, young adult book series, book series for boys. It's basically like detect these teenage detectives. Yeah. And I remember reading a ton of them when I was a kid. My dad had read a ton of them when he was a kid. Casper's got a couple of Hardy Boys books right now that uh, I'm starting them. to read with him. <laughs> he does. And throws them. <laughs> That's I what the screen was <laughs> Uh, but he he plays one of the two Hardy Boys, I guess, in the Hardy Boys show now. Like, I want to see more wrestlers? of like all of this cast. The Hardy, well, there were wrestlers named the Hardy Boys. That's what who, I'm thinking I mean, of. I'm like, I've heard of the yeah, Hardy Boys. Like, Wait a minute, were they wrestlers? <laughs> like, I didn't know they were detectives too. Like, hang on a minute, they were a book series and they turned them into wrestlers. Tag team champions during the day, detectives by night. <laughs> wow, makes me tell me the Rock's a real person. <laughs> But, uh, but like all these little side shows, I just want to see these people in more things. Like everybody's so good. Um, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And then Santa, just the, the way that he's so sincere, even when he's funny, like with the way, every time he yells at the reindeer, like I can't help but laugh. And he's like, it's like, really? You can't go two minutes without crapping on the roof. Like are a bunch of geese or whatever he calls them or pigeons, pigeons. That's what it was. And then when they just uh, flee and leave him, he's like, seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. This, this opening fight scene is great when he's just trying to find a weapon. He's like video game, video game, video <laughs> game. Didn't anybody want a bat or yeah. a sword or a Molotov, Molotov cocktail? cocktail. <laughs> 
Uh, there's one where he throws like a doll or something, and right after it hits the guy, you just say, Mommy, I love you. <laughs> uh, oh, then he's digging through it again. He's like, Poetry book, Die Hard on Blu ray. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, both Die Hard and Home Alone both get references of this. Um, I don't, I don't know if, uh, well, you haven't gotten to the, um, the, the Christmas presents part yet. Right. Uh, no, they're no. make them open the gifts. Okay. I'll, I'll just I say before I get to that. Uh, so. No, I think that's about, I thought I skipped over, but yeah, uh, that's can, coming up. There's one bit I didn't actually mention, which I'll circle back to, but yeah, we could, yeah. Come to yeah. So, I mean, as far as Canadian actors in this movie, um, probably the most, uh, esteemed Canadian actor in this movie is actually the guy who plays Krampus. Who's the, the henchman, the really sadistic henchman who's tormenting the family throughout the, mm-hmm. he's the one with the family the whole time. So this actor, Brendan Fletcher, like he is every time that he's in like a movie here, I swear he's he gets nominated, even though he's not that old. I mean, he gets nominated for like the the Canadian Oscars or whatever every single year. And yet the, the funny thing is, if you look at his filmography, you're not going to make a great living, even if you're an award winning actor in Canada. But he will alternate between doing these award nominated movies here in Canada. And then he does things like Freddy versus Jason, hmm. uh, Blood Rain 2. So he makes his living, or I guess he makes enough money to live off of by doing the worst of the worst, like Uwe Boll movies. He's an Uwe Boll regular. He did a Leprechaun movie. And then he comes back to Canada and he gets nominated for awards. But like, I think you could tell in this movie, like this guy's this guy's got a lot of talent for playing like even an overtop character. Uh, the other one, and I, I, I would love to actually pinpoint it, but uh, when I was uh, saw this movie in the theaters, I saw uh, during the credits, one of the staff members in the house is actually one of my friend's wives was in this oh. movie, <laughs> which uh, I, I should have thought, and maybe we could have gotten her on the show or something like that. But but uh, a friend of mine, I'm going through the credits, I'm like, is that my friend's wife? And I'm like, I'm like, it is. She's somewhere in the background of this movie, but wow. gets like a credit at the end it's of the movie. Such a Tasmanian but, uh, thing. That's just like, oh, there's, there's my you know. friend's wife. Yeah. Like my, my, my cousin uh, is in this well, when movie. I, when I watched that Arctic Blast movie, because like I literally knew people in that movie, and then you would see like background people, like, hey, I know that, but I know that person. I know that person. <laughs> That's Noah Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Drunk. So, say it, and saying something racist. Say it more like Charles Logan in 24. <laughs> That's Noah Gross. <laughs> uh, Yes, great stuff though. I mean, I, I will say one more thing. Just uh, David Harbour, you're right. He is kind of weak, like John McClane. But I think what it, one of the first things when I watched this movie last year that reminded me of Die Hard was that when everything starts happening, when you know uh, Hans Gruber and everybody seizes the building, John's like sneaker. He's got a gun in his hand, but he's like, "Oh, why didn't you do this? Oh, because then you'd be dead too." Like he, he's he's not a coward, but he's like. I don't have this in me right now. I'm not even wearing shoes. Like he's a reluctant hero. And I think that's just, you, you get it. It's a different story arc with Santa in this movie, but it still feels very John McClane. Like, cause John mm. McClane doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. He's more capable, but he doesn't want to be doing it. I guess he's a cop though, right? Well, I guess Santa's a Viking or whatever he is. So, I mean, you know, yeah. um, the, the one bit that I, the, the conversation with Trudy and Santa on the thing for the first time, that's why I love Trudy. Cause she's like, Oh, and I'm going to do this. And like, he's like, you need to go do this. And she's like, and shove it up his ass. And he's like, well, yeah. no, 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 no. You shouldn't say that because you're on the nice list. Remember? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> can I say butthole then? Well, that's borderline. What about <laughs> anus? Yes, that is acceptable. <laughs> oh, no. Well, the, the better is that he actually goes, ah. I mean, yes, that is the technical term. So I <laughs> guess that by default is what you'll say. <laughs> so funny. Um, so I think actually, uh, so this, so we see Santa, he's, he's been stabbed or he's injured. So he's sewing himself up and he's covered in tats. He's fucking, what did Jamie think of shirtless David Harbour here covered in tats? Um, Jason Momoa-esque here almost. Uh, actually, 
Two, two tangents, really quickly. We've got 22 minutes to go, but we can wrap this up. You mentioned Samara Weaving. I don't know if I've mentioned to you here, but, like, obviously when I was living in New York, I, I went out of my way to see Deborah Messing, Daniel Craig, like, these actors in person. Um, in Sydney next year, there is a play with Hugo Weaving in it. I have no idea what it's about or what it is, but I'm tempted to go see this play. And then I might bring a sign which is like, hey, introduce me to Samara. <laughs> but like, I hope he bakes a cake. That's and- <laughs> what I want. <laughs> I just purely want to go see him to bake a cake. We're like, honestly, like, I mean, I, I want to go see Hugo Weaving in a flesh. Maybe I'll dress up as Agent Smith or Viva Vendetta or something like that. Um, and the other bit I've gone completely blank on. Why did I get really shirtless men, Jason Momoa? Oh, yes. Um <laughs> I know obviously you're getting into basketball with the, the Winnipeg team there. Obviously, you know that Tasmania, we have our team in our national competition, the Jack Jumpers. We're ants. I've explained that to you before. Now, mm. uh, often, I don't know if they really do it in North American sports, but for some weird reason in Australia, we often will have like tie-ins with movie companies. So like they've had Star Wars rounds before in like the, the company I work for, the A-League. So like the teams will have like, oh, Sydney FC will wear like a Darth Vader inspired jersey. Like it's a bit <laughs> weird. Um, other like the, the rugby here, I think I've done Marvel rounds before. So like, Oh, I'm going to have like an Iron Man Jersey. It's all marketing. It's for the kids. The NBL, the basketball competition, in the past have generally tied in with Looney Tunes before. So you'll often have like Bugs Bunny and kind of all that sort of stuff, which I'm pretty sure even in Tassie, the obvious one would have been the Tasmanian devil, but I don't yeah. think we had the Tasmanian devil from memory, which was weird, <laughs> which then makes no sense on the new one they're about to do. Now we're obviously team DC here. So they've tied in with DC, right? Great. Yay. Are the Jack Jumpers going to be Batman? Are going to be Superman? Aquaman. Wow. <laughs> so, but then Jimmy, I was with our good friend Jimmy Kearney Owen yesterday. I went to the soccer and I mentioned that to him. Smart old Jimmy says, oh, it's a shame they're not with Marvel. Then he could have been Ant-Man. I mean, yeah. come on. They're the Ants. <laughs> we are literally the only club in the NBL that would literally tie in with a superhero. So and there was an Ant Man movie this year. Exactly. I mean, I, and Aquaman's gonna drown and kill ants. I mean, I obviously get that they've obviously got some deal with Warner Brothers if they've got Looney Tunes and DC. Understandable, but like at the end of the day, even a beetle is closer. Blue Beetle. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, why did we get Aquaman? Like, no one wants to be Aquaman. <laughs> even Jason Momoa Aquaman anymore. People are like, no. <laughs> I like you, Jason Momoa. Grow a bigger penis. Anyway, so we find out that he is like a, a Viking or something. Um, so we got like flashbacks to him being a Norse god, which I guess does technically tie into the Santa Claus story, right? Because if people know mm. the origins of Santa Claus and St. Nicholas, it is like a Scandinavian thing, right? So mm-hmm. uh, obviously Coca-Cola commercialized it, turned it into the, the gray beard and the red suit and all that kind of stuff. Everybody knows the story of Santa Claus. Uh, and then it became Tim Allen. So um, <laughs> we've got the little flashback. He's had more of a chat with Trudy. This is a Christmas present scene. So uh, the the hench people, because there is one hench woman, um, they're all like, oh, I'm bored. Let's make you open the presents. And we've got the actor guy here. He's like, I've got the best gift, an opportunity. Um, <laughs> I'm choking on my own jokes there. Um He's trying to get Beverly D'Angelo to, like, sell a movie. And what I love about Beverly D'Angelo in all of this is like she's just saying nothing. She's just got this, like, look on her face. You know, all the Botox aside, she's able to pull some sort of expression. <laughs> and she's basically just, like, looking at them going, like, oh, okay. And then it's, like, the daughter is, like, oh, and I got you a photo, a sentimental photo of the moment that I was born. She's, like, yes, I know. I was there. 
Um, <laughs> and then they basically forced Jason to give his gift. And this is what I was saying before. It's like a card and dumb old Ben didn't realize it later on. There's obviously reference to this and sort of it's mysterious. And this is kind of where I was thinking it was going to be a bit like, um, what, what was the movie we watched recently where there was a whole thing about a note or something and they revealed it at the end? Um, I feel we watched something with like something like this similar where it's like you don't realize what's written to it till at the very end. Or maybe that's something Ben Waterworth watched. I don't know. The Notebook. I watched all the Harry Potters. That wasn't in that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, anyway. So I thought that was going to be like a big reveal at the end, but it wasn't and Ben wasn't paying attention. Oh, uh, oh, oh, it's it's coming to me. It's coming. It's coming. Right? We waste 22 minutes to do it. Uh um no 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 I'm thinking I'm thinking of a movie draft day with uh Kevin Costner and Jennifer Garner, which you that was Jamie that watched that with me. Wasn't me. Also, I watched the Watch Mojo top ten nicest Hollywood celebrities list the other day, and Jennifer Garner was like number three. Yes. Well who who beats her? Uh, nobody. No one would beat her. They'd go to David jail Harbour. straight away. Um <laughs> Who was number one on that list? Uh, give me just a quick rundown on who you think, because there were there were two people on that list that made us very happy. Uh, well, Brandon Fraser would be an obvious Brandon one. Brandon Fraser absolutely was on that list. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Kihu Kwan as the second. He wasn't on that list. Actually, there was somebody else on there that I I, I literally go, two people that made us. I was only going to send it to you because I got very excited if it was on that list and I can't remember the other one. Um, Hugh Jackman was on it. Tom Hanks was only number oh, two. Oh, yeah. Who was number one? Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves was number one. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but there was another person on there that like made us really happy. Uh, it's really bothering me now. Um, Beverly Delangelo. Uh, Ryan Reynolds was on it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm, I've completely gone blank on it. Uh, Michael J. Fox was on it. Uh, oh yeah. Because you know he is a nice guy. Uh, I really need to find this out now because it's really fucking annoying me <laughs> who the other person was that you and I would have been very happy about. Um, but yeah, Brendan Fraser, Hugh Jackman was number 10, Ryan Reynolds was number nine, Jamie Lee Curtis was number eight, uh, which is nice. Brendan Fraser, number seven. What a man. Can we just take pause to realize we were this close to getting him on the show? Like, like this that close. Oscar ruined it. He's too big for us now. This close. Julie Andrews was on it. Uh, Paul Rudd. Hi, I'm Paul Rudd and I'm on this list. <laughs> Michael J. Fox, uh, Jennifer Garner. Uh, then it was Tom Hanks and then it was Keanu Reeves, uh, which I think it was in the honorary mentions. They had somebody that we really like and keep championing Mark Hamill, Daniel Radcliffe, George Clooney, Kelly Cuoco. Maybe I'm just making shit up. Anyway, that was a good waste <laughs> yeah. of three minutes. There's our hour. Uh, <laughs> Gremlins next week. <laughs> good job, Ben. Um, the presents are given out the card. Um, Santa remembers his flashback that he's got a hammer uh, he goes on full, um, uh, he gets kidnapped. Uh, they sort of discover he kind of is Santa cause this is where we, uh, he's got magic so we can go up a chimney. Uh, we meet the mercenaries for the first time and uh oh, plot twist. They're working with, um, the bad guys. Uh, Santa gets full on like, oh, they open the vault. There's no money in it. The plot twist that Jason stole the money, which I kind of saw coming. I was kind of like, oh, that totally the one guy who's sort of like the nice guy of this film. He's totally stolen it. Um, and then we maybe get the best scene of the movie, Santa killing mercenaries to Brian Adams. <laughs> Something about Christmas time. If you if you wanted to make this movie any more Canadian, <laughs> um, like honestly, like props to Brian Adams. Uh, I don't yeah. think it gets mentioned enough. I feel like this guy is sort of, I mean, at least in this part of the world, obviously not in Canada. I'm sure he's like revered as Wayne Gretzky. Um, you don't hear much about dear old Brian anymore. He he performed at the AFL Grand Final. I think it was 2015. I think it was a year before I went. I was sandwiched between Brian Adams and the Killers. I got Sting. I, he was fine. 
I wanted Brian Adams or the Killers. I got Sting. <laughs> um, but he did three songs and bugged off. Like, Hello, I'm Sting. Bye. And I'm like, thanks, Sting. <laughs> um, but Brian Adams disappeared off the face of the planet. I'm glad that in a 2022 movie they use, is this his only Christmas song? I don't know if Brian Adams has done a Christmas album before. Uh, I'm trying to think. See, I always confuse that you that whole band aid thing. Why like, do they know oh, it's yeah. Christmas time? Good song. That wasn't him, but they're the Canadian version of that, <laughs> which is a better song, is not Christmas related. But I always confuse the Canadian and the American one and think Brian Adams did the Christmas. I one didn't even. know there was a Canadian version of what is it like? Oh, do I thought they every country know had them. it's Christmas, please. <laughs> eh? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it was a completely different song. It was called like Tears Are Not Enough, which people should look it up. It's an amazing song. But David Foster, Brian Adams, all the, basically everybody in Canada. But yeah, that th- th- the Christmas one was the American one. Celine Dion. So yes, that is. Uh, well, that was before her time. This no. was like the mid '80s. Well, but yeah, I, th- I think that might be his only Christmas. Maybe he's got a Christmas album out there. Which um, I mean, has he even had a hit since When You're Gone with Mel C? Uh, was, I mean, here he has in Canada. Is he, but is he a thing? Like, like I mean, we obviously have artists here oh, in yeah. Australia who, you know, maybe have a brief bit of success. Like Kylie Minogue this year's uh, released some songs, which I don't know if they've gone to Canada, but they've gotten pretty big. And there's, uh, I, I would say Australia's Brian Adams, never the international success of Brian Adams. I've, I think I've passed on a song to you before and you know who he is, John Farnham. Um, oh, yeah, I remember you sent me that. So, like, he's like, they literally released a documentary on him here. And, and I saw Robbie Williams the other night. And because John Farnham's had cancer recently and sort of been recovering from it, um, in the encore, uh, Robbie Williams came out and sang like his most famous song, You're the Voice, which is the one I sent you. And I think you know that song. And uh, Robbie Williams did it. Like everybody in the stadium just like, but like, we're here to see Robbie Williams, but he's singing You're the Voice by John Farnham. Like it's a karaoke session, 40,000 people. Like it was epic. But anyway, uh, there's another two minutes wasted off a one hour episode. But this is <laughs> David Harbour killing people to Brian Adams. It's epic. There's decapitations. There's hammers, um, there's candy canes getting shoved in orifices. Like this, you know, in movies when you're loving a movie, right? And you're going like, I love this movie. This is great. But it goes from being loved to like, oh, this is like one of my favorite movies of the year. This is the scene. Like straight away, I'm yeah. like, you start hearing the opening of that song. There's something about, and oh, I'm like, straight away, I'm like, this is Brian Adams, isn't it? So I Shazam and I'm like, Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I it's it's kind of cliche now to do this in movies where you often get like a song that shouldn't fit a scene right like it mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of like what we talked way back in face off when it's like somewhere over the rainbow or whatever it was in that slow motion scene where everybody's dying or whatever that song was you know the, it, it works um mm-hmm. and here we go um so there's that um this is uh jason admitting so he's gonna take out the money we're gonna go outside this and then we get the home alone sequence, which maybe the same as you. It's the cringeworthy scene because mm. we've got this guy here. Like, I think it's like it's done very cleverly because, like, obviously you see this setup and you're like, oh, she's clearly setting this up like Home Alone because you see the nail, you see yeah. kind of like the things, and even the, the glue the, trap. Even the guys like, if you're gonna set a booby trap, like you got to make it less obvious. Like this is dumb, and like even we're going like, oh, poor little girl. But then obviously she's done it in a way so that when he steps on the ladder, it breaks. He impales through his, like, <laughs> neck, through his mouth, which you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> Like, there are some things that you don't think about will make you gross out until you see it. I've explained to you about the one that has stuck with me, the TV movie they did many, many years ago on the World Trade Center bombing in 93 with George Clooney in it. There's a scene in the basement where a fireman gets stuck and he literally has a bone sticking out of his leg and he has a piece of wire stuck between his bone and his leg. It is hideous. <laughs> and to this day, when we do Dante's Peak next year, 
I have a thing around bones sticking out of limbs. That is one of my, I can't watch that. That is like a thing. If I've got an external fracture, I see it like, no, nah, no, nah, that, that I, sets me off. I can't see it. So this is one of those things where I didn't know I was going to be grossed out by a nail through someone's neck until I saw it. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, and they put this on screen for a long time. Um, yeah. He then falls back and gets stabbed like a thousand times. And even like the obvious setup of him, like, what's he like looking at the nail and then you see the bowling balls. Come. You know what's coming. You know this guy's mm-hmm. about to get impaled in the head. And even then you're going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then, boom, boom bowling ball. And you're, and you're like, ah. Oh! Um, I've seen, like, freaking Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers gets me a bit queasy after a while with the amount of limbs that are getting chopped off in that film. But, like, this film, just in the brief little moments, I was like, oh, ah. Oh! Uh, and even when the woman here is getting, like, a scalp ripped off because of the super glue, oh. you're like, ah, oh, oh! ah. Uh, yeah. So there's a few moments here, but that's I, I just I love Trudy because she's like gone. This is what Home Alone would be if it was an R-rated film. The Wet Bandits would be yeah. dead in two minutes. Um, <laughs> which if you've never watched watch that series on YouTube, where it's like a doctor sits there and basically analyzes movies about like what injuries people would get in real life if these were real. And like in Home mm. Alone, like the Wet Bandits are dead within like two seconds of them <laughs> entering that house. Um, which again, let's just ignore the fact that Trudy just became a psychotic killer. Um, but. <laughs> Half the family does. Uh, we've got eight minutes, by the way, so I'm going to rush through this to the end. Um, so from here, this is uh, – so the family is outside uh, looking at the nativity scene where the money's hidden in the hay bales. This is where Jason uh, – where Beverly D'Angelo is basically like, oh, I'm proud of you. So I'm like, I, again, I kind of like this twist where it's kind of like the mum's just like, yeah, I'm not pissed at you. Like at the end of the day, I, stopped- I, I She's like, I did the same thing when I was your age. My, my grandfather said I'm never getting the money because I was a woman. So I basically like, I stabbed him in the back, took the money. So you've done, it's the family yeah. tradition. So good job. I love Beverly D'Angelo in this movie. She's so good. <laughs> Be more evil in things, Beverly D'Angelo. I like you. Come back. Where's the Beverly D'Angelo assance? I want her winning an Oscar within five years. Um... The the sister and the son and the wife all get into I love their like back and forth when they're just basically like, no, kill him. No, kill her. Kill him. And then they all basically kill him. And then they're basically like, oh, it's always good to have family bonding sessions. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, one of my other fi- favorite random scenes is like early on when they're trying, when um, the, the main guy, Vincent Clemente from ER, is basically like about to kill them all. And he's like, I'm pissed off. I'm going to start killing random hostages until one of you tells me. And then freaking Bertrand is like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's a stupid idea because what if you just killed a random person who happens to know the information? And he's like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, and then this is where we're going to get the big chase action sequence at the end of the movie. Jason's about to reunite with Linda, but then there's a shootout. Jesus, little baby Jesus, kills someone. Uh, Santa literally goes on a sleigh and takes out somebody in a freaking uh, snowmobile. That's a James Bond move. I want to see. That's a, that's a Lazenby move, isn't it? Um, Santa battles off with the big bad villain here. There's explosions, there's stabbing, there's nearly burnt people. And how does he die? He gets his magic back and he gets sucked up a chimney and basically liquefied with his body, which is an epic way to die. Poor old Santa's dying. They start burning money here. Um, honestly, that's what Colin and I do. We make so much money in the Oz network. We're just burning (laughs) it. Like, fuck it. Here's another million. Put it on the fire. <laughs> um, but they all of a sudden, you talk about heart, like you're not wrong because like basically Santa's dying here in a movie where we've just literally seen a guy get liquefied through a chimney and his head come off. Um, and yet, oh, the magic of Christmas will revive him. And it does. <laughs> they all start going, we believe, we believe, and Santa's awake. He's alive. Yay, Santa. 
He gets on. His reindeers show up. He flies off. Um, he's got a note from Mrs. Claus, basically, and he's off. And we're uh, into it. And we get a mid-credit scene of uh, dear old Bertrude, who's like, "What's up, fam? I'm live streaming. Here's a dead body. It's real. Santa Claus is real. Remember to be good, Joel. Peace." Um, and then maybe that's how we need to start going on social media, Colin. Speak to the kids. Um, maybe that's you how I should Bentrude? speak to the kids. Yes, I could be cultured. Uh, <laughs> And there we go. Uh, we've got five minutes. Go. Uh, well, probably. I'm going a little over on this. Uh, just, just speaking of some of the other scenes that have a lot of heart in this movie. First of all, every radio conversation that Santa has with Trudy is amazing. Um, and it's also kind of a throwback to Die Hard, where he's on the phone or on the radio with um, uh, which was uh, Al or whatever the uh, the, the cop mm. um, uh, out on the street. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, the, the one of the best moments of acting in this movie is uh, when David Harbour's tied up and John Link was almost talking about why he doesn't believe in Christmas anymore. And uh, he takes the bag and he throws it in the fireplace and it goes up in flames. And David Harbour actually lets out like this almost cry. And he's like, that was filled with children's dreams. Yeah, like, yeah. There's all this rage. I'm like, whoa, this is like pretty moving here. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, like he, he plays it as straight as you can for a movie like this. Uh, all my favorite moments, <laughs> the boyfriend, the sister's boyfriend or stepdad. I don't know what, if he's actually supposed to be Berger's dad or whatever. Um, but yeah, like his gift to when he's giving it. And even the sister, when he's like, this is what we call a pitch deck. And then the camera just cuts to the sister and she's like mouthing the words pitch deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just coached him on this or something. Um, and then when <laughs> you miss this part, when, uh, uh, they, they decide to fight back against the terrorists or the kidnappers or whatever. And the boyfriend here goes into his action star karate mode, starts kicking guys across the room when they attack Bertrude. And then it's like, oh, he's going to save us. And then he just jumps. I mean, he was, again, it was one of these obvious things. You knew this guy was going to die, but like, it was just, <laughs> it was funny. Cause I also like that moment when like they're being held hostage and he's like, I could totally take them all right now if they didn't have guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But then when he just jumps out the window and it's like, he's not coming back, you know, and the sister's like, it's like, I know he's an idiot, but he was really hot. Yeah. <laughs> that's Jamie. Like, that's- yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the montage, all the kill scenes, like they're brutal, but, uh, but there's something about Christmas time. Uh, <laughs> there, there's something about the way this movie presents it, where it's like, it, it, it sort of makes you want to laugh, but at the same time, you're like, Ooh, I want to turn away. But then the other time you're like, yeah, you go Santa. Like, the, the director here, he kind of he just he he makes it work on so many different levels, and then the Home Alone sequence too. Like I don't even know what it is she throws, but like the the part that actually really did make me laugh is when she takes like I don't know it's like a, a basketball or something like that, uses her little slingshot, mm. and then she takes like a tennis ball, and he's like, oh, is that the best you got? And then whatever she puts in there next is like this giant metallic object, and it just instantly like bang, and you just hear this ding as it hits the the, the female uh, henchman's head. Um, I mean, all the fight scene, I, I love that moment where he sucks him up the chimney because we saw that trick like once or twice and then all these other times when he like touches his nose mm. and the magic doesn't work. Like, you're like, okay, well, what's it going to take? But this is obviously him using the last of the magic, but it's, it's such a great like death scene and something that I didn't uh, see coming also. Um, also, the, the the scene where you find out that Jason's the one that stole the money. I love that his wife, because you said it, it, it is an obvious moment, but then the wife says the most obvious thing. It's like, Really? I'm upset with how much you're tied to your mo- mother's money and you thought the way to actually win me back was to steal more of it. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, when they're burning all the money and then it's like the sister's like, but seriously, like the guy's all, all he's dead already, yeah. right? There's <laughs> yes. not much more you can do. This is a lot of money. That's me. That's me. <laughs> 
I do wonder though, because they said there's $300 million in that vault. But then later on at the end of the movie, they say we just burned half a million dollars. Uh, like where did 300 million turn into 500,000? But I don't, I think the point is they didn't, they didn't burn all the money. Like he literally only grabs a little bit and shoves oh, it on okay. the, like you, you don't see him grab all of it. Like you literally see him grab a, a couple of piles. So I think there's probably right. what, 299 million, 999,000. Yeah. Like my math is way <laughs> off there, but you know what I mean? There's only $500,000 less of that money. Yeah. And that moment where they all sort of, I believe too. They're almost like disgruntled. Like, okay, I believe in you, Santa. Um, when, uh, uh, Jason's like saying, like, I, I don't know how my family can ever repay for what you've done. And Santa's like, well, you brought me back from the yeah. dead. So I think we're even, <laughs> uh, and him again, him, I don't know why I just love him yelling at the reindeers. Seriously, guys, you decide now to come back. And what do they say? Oh, you went, back and to got kill my, me. you went back and got my bag. Oh, yeah. But even before that, I'm looking at you, Blitzen, yeah. and you, Blitzer, and then he's like, oh, you got my bag. Yeah. And then he's got the Mrs. Claus. And that's another area where this movie had a bit of heart because, like, you don't get that, like, oh, like, he's broken up for Mrs. Claus, but he even says, like, oh, in 1,100 years, Mrs. Claus and I, we've had some rough times. And then he had that other moment where he says, I just I just hope that I don't die without being able to tell Mrs. Claus that I love her one more time, you know? Uh, which I, I don't know if you have time to talk about the, the sequel. I was going to break yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if you know anything about the casting. Charlie uh, Theron. Yeah, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, if David mm-hmm. Harbour gets his way. Is, is I mean, is that him pushing the strings there? Like, oh, definitely. Like I think that's him, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be honest. If you're an actor but, in Hollywood and they're like, okay, Colin, uh, you've done a great movie. Uh, we're going to do a sequel. We think we might introduce your wife, Jennifer Garner. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, uh, it should be Jennifer Garner. Why do you think that, Colin? <laughs> oh, I think because she would play it really, really well. It's like Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah, bring her back. She's the... Third nicest person in Hollywood. That's why. <laughs> but but I mean, there is a bit of a connection there because like the David Leach, the producer of this movie, the guy who made the first John Wick, when he left the John Wick series, it was to uh, make that atomic blonde movie with Charlize Theron. So uh, he's obviously got connections. So it's, it's possible it could happen if she's if they're not making Multiverses Madness too, then she's got to have her franchise out there. And aren't they making another one of that? What was that Netflix one we did a couple of years ago? Old oh, guard. the old guard. I doing... think they already filmed that one. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Charlie Theron fanboy. Um, mm-hmm. and and not just. I mean, she's attractive, sure, but that's not for those reasons. I think she's a great actress. I mean, <laughs> Ben, who's gonna play your wife? <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> Honestly, I'd rather Madonna than Charlize Theron. Like, sorry, <laughs> I would. Um, but like, I think like Monster is one of my favorite movies that I don't re- list as my. I didn't make my top fifty, but like, I always forget how much I love that movie. And I think if we had a rank who deserves the Oscar from all their Oscars over the years, that to me is one of the most deserving wins ever. And you don't think you've ever seen Monster, have you? Like, it's it's an incredible film. No. Um, but I, I like kind of this Charlie Theron as a badass turn. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like that. So yeah, basically they're, they're in talks for a sequel. Uh, it was announced earlier this year that a sequel is in the works. And this, this does feel like a bit of a franchise film. Like you feel like this is going to yeah. be one that they're going to pump out a few of these over the years. Um, and it's, you know, blink and you miss it. It's not going to be like a Marvel release or anything like that. Uh, I mean, this film did make a bit of money, uh, 76.6 million worldwide. Uh, so not too bad uh, on a budget of $20 million. So, uh, very much made its money back. Um, it got a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, again, not a, a bad rated movie. Decently very, I mean, most movies would kill for 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. So can't complain there. Um, I, I'm, I'm just trying to find where, um, where it actually ranks for like the, the full year, um, it, it was not like, like last year. I mean, we Top Gun kind of like saved the box office last year, but 
um a lot of movies weren't making like a ton of money so this is like 34th for the year overall just behind puss in boots the last wish and ahead of lyle lyle crocodile oh lyle lyle crocodile <laughs> when are we doing that uh Actually, sorry, that was the calendar. Those always get confused. Yeah, so, so yes, it, it made more money than Death on the Nile, which that was like a big budget movie with a huge cast. So well, that's, I'm, lo- that's- I'm looking at the worldwide box office of 2022, and this was 52nd, just ahead of Strange World and behind Avatar 2022 I, re-release. I actually was going to say, like, this movie made 50 million of its full box office in North America. It made almost $30 million outside of North America, and traditionally Santa Claus-related movies don't make a lot of money outside North America because Santa isn't really that big outside. I do not think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Australian listener, um, but I do not remember this being promoted as being released in Australia. I could be wrong, uh, hmm. but I do not remember seeing this. Maybe it went straight to uh, streaming. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess, I mean, we're three minutes over. We'll quickly go through this. So uh, I'm going the one star user reviews. Uh, I've got a Morris4732 who goes, huh? What are the rave reviews about? This movie was horrible from start to finish. I really don't know what I went into this expecting, but it was way worse. Uh, sure. Uh, other headlines include Thanks. boring, gory, and full of cliches, which is amazing. Uh, I thought that Black Adam was <laughs> terrible, dot, dot, dot. Uh, worst movie ever. Worst movie I've ever seen. Boring. Uh, another fast forward kind of film. Horrible ripoff. Rubbish. Who is giving a high? Oh, shut up, everyone. You're idiots. Uh, plot keywords. Um, the top rating one is Santa Claus character. The lowest one is title spoken by character. Um, let's just choose a random one here. There's not a great one. Threatened with a knife, back from dead, attempted robbery, stabbed in the groin month. That could be fun. <laughs> um, featuring Terrifier 2, Violent Night, The Exorcist, and Platoon. Yeah. Um, uh, one more random one. Hair, Man Punter. We've done that one before. Hit with a hammer. Uh, geez, these aren't really good, are they? Uh, exploding body month, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, we could do the Marvels, the Creator, uh, Band of Brothers, and Interstellar. Wow. Uh, bye from me, and this will be my number one yes. for the month so far. Um, I mean, so far the number one for me. I'm still on the fence whether it'll be my number one. Uh, come next week. Um, because next week's one that I. Loved, uh, I wouldn't say I loved as a kid. I mean, transitioning into it, I, I saw Gremlins like maybe once as a kid. It was Gremlins 2 was the movie that I was really into. But uh, Gremlins is a movie that I still go back to watch every couple of years. And I still have uh, an affection for it. But uh, you had never seen this before, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't know. Never. Like, a, a, and I'll explain a little bit next week, but I think it just tied into this is what my dad makes me watch. And I just, I think Gremlins was one that he was never really into. So um, yeah, I'd never seen it, watched it yesterday, straight after I watched Violet Night. And I mean, I don't know if you want to give me my opinions now. Um, I Maybe I'll just wait till next week, but uh, I will give them on that episode uh, because I have now seen you Gremlins. You do that. I will. <laughs> Gizmo's cute. I like Gizmo. I want a Gizmo. The original Baby Yoda. The original Furby, right? Well, is it what Furbies yeah. were based off? Probably. It looks now that you say that, I can see it. I just, I just the whole time, I'm like, these are Furbies. So uh, anyway, that's Gremlins next week to wrap it up. And uh, we're obviously in the midst of 24 season six. That's uh, happening. We're very close to a best of of the year. Believe it or not, we've got some best of moments for the year. So there you go. Amazing race. Uh, movie reviews, as we'll keep tagging, we'll uh, probably have something around Aquaman, of course, and Ferrari in the coming weeks, be it at the end of this year or early next year. So stay tuned for that. 
We're actually really not that far away from Oscars, believe it or not. Uh, that will be no doubt probably February, maybe even the end of January. We'll see sort of uh, how we go. I mean, we'll be very much due for Golden Globe nominations. Have they delayed them because of the strike? Have they, have they been delayed? Because I think the Emmys were basically oh, pushed back. Um, we'd be due for Golden Globe nominations very soon, wouldn't we? Surely. Let's let's quickly... We've gone over a little bit here. Um, they're Because they're on the 7th of January. So they should be due very, very soon. So anyway, maybe by the time we've released this, probably by the time we've released this, people are screaming at us right now going, but they were just released. Um, <laughs> we are recording this at the end of November. So uh, by the time this has come out, if they have released Golden Globe nominees, uh, congratulations to Natalie Portman for another nomination. Uh, <laughs> fingers crossed for Ferrari and get stuffed Barbie for all your nominations. You don't deserve them. Um, so there you go. Uh, do all the things at the end. Uh, my name is Ben and sorry, can I say butthole then? Uh, my name is Colin and sup, limp dick. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)